0: So I just need to do the, okay. (laughs) Three, two, one. Thank you for joining us on the Leaders and Legends podcast. Our guest today is Randall T. Shepard. He was appointed to the Indiana Supreme Court by Governor Robert Orr in 1985 at the age of 38. He became Chief Justice of Indiana in March 1987, Retired from the court in March 2012, the time he was the longest-serving chief justice in Indiana history. Still true?
1: I believe so. Yeah.
0: And the senior chief justice in the country's state supreme courts. Yes.
1: Well, longest serving. Correct. It wasn't the oldest.
0: Yeah. That's a better way to put it. Thank you very <laughs> much. He is a seventh-generation Hoosier and an Eagle Scout. Must make Jim Morris happy. <laughs> yes. He graduated from Princeton University in 1969, so you were there at the same time as Mitch Daniels?
1: We knew each other. Uh, he's, uh, Mitch Daniels was uh, two years behind
0: me, and uh, we still communicate every now and then. He's been on the podcast a couple times, terrific mm-hmm. guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also just interviewed someone, uh, the greatest or probably the most widely praised Lincoln scholar in the world, and that's Michael Burlingame.
1: I have met him, I believe, but i i don't I don't actually know him uh, um sort of day by day,
0: Princeton grad, I think maybe yeah. a couple years ahead of you, maybe,
1: yeah, I think that's right.
0: Were you there when George will was there?
1: uh no, I'm a little too young for George will uh, George will would have
0: i think left before I did, and how were you able to keep up with the academic comet that is Graham Richard
1: ha! <laughs> Uh, well, he and I, of course, were classmates, and um, my goodness, Graham and I, uh, uh, used to, we, we studied the same subjects at Princeton and uh, occasionally would find ourselves in the, in the library section uh, at the same time working on a paper or, or reading our assignments, and uh, we've, we've known each other ever since. Uh, I had the great privilege to uh, administer the oath of office when he became uh, mayor of Fort Wayne uh, went up to Fort Wayne and uh, uh, and and swore him in, and uh, uh, I only see him every couple of years now. But uh, my goodness, what a what a wonderful collection of achievements and uh, and and interests uh, that are a part of Graham Richards' life.
0: I had a Zoom conversation with him uh, about a week before we record this podcast, mm. and he was going on and on oh about you as a person, as an intellect, as a judge. And so I couldn't resist. I told him, I said, well, I'll bring up your academic record versus his. And he started laughing. He goes, please don't. (laughs) Well, I'll tell
1: you a story that has to do with both of us, but not until we're done.
0: Yes, sir. (laughs) There's another famous person who we talked about before who's connected to you, obviously. You graduated from Yale Law School in 1972. Did you have any famous... People walking down the halls uh, with you. I had multiple. Uh, of course, I I began
1: as a classmate of uh, Hillary Rodham. Um, she ended up graduating a year later because Bill sh- Bill came um, a year or two later. He'd been at Oxford, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so um, the the two of them. Uh, Uh, became an item. And, uh, um, that meant that, uh, Hillary needed, needed to stay in New Haven while Bill finished. And, uh, that's when she worked particularly on this book. It, it takes a village, uh, was part of what she did then. And she, Hmm. she also went to work as a staff member for the great Watergate, uh, investigation committee down in DC. Sam Dash, I think was the one she worked for. Is that right? Yeah. That's, that might be right. Um, So, uh, so I knew, uh, both Bill and Hillary, um, not, not, not that we, uh, uh, partied around late on Fridays, but, uh, you, it was like Bill's pretty good person to party with. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's a pretty small place, the Yale Law School. Um, there were, uh, I think I was in what at that moment was the biggest class they'd ever had, which was 205 or something, Mm -hmm. which isn't very big for a law school. Um, and, um. So you you see people hanging around in the halls and going to their next class and chatting and so on. Did you stay in contact with him when he became governor? Uh, It was more with her. I would see her every once in a great while. Um, And uh, the other person, of course, who was there, and I didn't know, but I certainly recognized uh, when I saw him on TV, was Clarence Thomas. I think he was a first year student when I was a third year student and you all just don't talk to first year students. <laughs> no, you just don't get around to meet everybody for heaven's sakes. Uh <laughs> and, um and in, and in fact I didn't live in the law school as a third year student uh, which would have meant I'd have had a better shot at, at uh, spending more time but uh, there there were, and of course what that meant uh is there were plenty of people in in and around my law school class who ended up holding federal positions during the Clinton administration. So um, they were, it it all, uh, I think knowing who they were, I think the country was well served.
0: We interviewed David Frick. Yes. A couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Amazing David Frick. That's a
1: good way of putting his his career. Uh, We've all been, the city in particular, but the state in general, very fortunate.
0: There should be a statue to David Frick somewhere in the city of Indianapolis. Yes. Uh, probably right outside the convention center or the Lucas Oil Stadium. Well, there is the Bill Hudnut bench over here. Uh, perhaps
1: uh, two of the Bill's sitting on one end and uh, perhaps uh, David
0: could sit on the other. Uh, David told us that he he was in law school with Stephen Breyer. I think he said he was oh, a couple of years ahead. wow. Um, is it different yeah. to go to an East Side? I mean, excuse me, an East Coast. I mean, that's I know that's kind of all you know is, but you're from Indiana. You matriculate out to Princeton, which is in New Jersey, then go to Yale, which is in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you belonged? I don't know how the way to put it. I mean, those are premier institutions, and sometimes they don't always look at folks who are outside their zip code with the greatest uh, uh, benignness.
1: Well, I think there were. Um... In my, in my Princeton class, I think there were seven people out of... And that was a class of 800. I think there were seven from Indiana, maybe eight. And um, uh, one of the reasons I went to Princeton is that it's in a much smaller community as compared to New Haven uh, or, or, or uh, Cambridge. Uh, it's in a relatively small town. One of the jokes people used to tell was that uh, Princeton was a place where the people who were running away from New York... Read into the people who were running away from Philadelphia, <laughs> and there was a little truth to that. It was a the other line was this is a this will tell you how long ago it was. This is a place where you can you can buy a an eighty thousand dollar house for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, but it did it does take some getting used to. Um, the other part of it was, of course, that a fair number uh, of the students in my freshman class were people who'd gone to residential prep schools. About which I knew practically nothing, but some of them have turned out to be good friends. I'm going to be going off on vacation in a couple of weeks, and I'll visit with a gentleman who was uh, who also went to law school. Eventually, he was one of my roommates, and he was uh, he was a classic Phillips Andover. Uh, Exeter, son of yeah, son of sure. a law partner sort of <laughs> sort of guy but uh, we we got a lot, we ultimately became very good friends but it it does take a little but part of the reason I I part of the reason I chose Princeton was because it I thought it was going to be easier to adjust uh, coming from a midwest city and um, um, Princeton doesn't have a law school so it uh, that's part of the reason I looked
0: elsewhere and did you how soon after you, well, you were there first, how soon after Mitch Daniels got there, for example, did you guys connect and say, oh my God, we're from, you know, a couple of Hoosiers out here in New Jersey trying to.
1: Well, pretty close because we were, uh, we were in the college Republicans and, uh, they would have regular meetings. Now I, I don't have it, uh, seared in my brain, whether it was his, you know, the club introduction period during his uh, first year and, I would have been by that time I would have been an, an uh a board member, I think, of the Princeton College Republicans. And um so uh we we would know each other and hang around uh, uh pretty much uh pretty much the whole
0: time. And the other person I could think of who went to Princeton who's who's made his mark on Indianapolis is Scott Newman. Sure. And I imagine he's a few years younger than Yeah, you. I didn't know I didn't know Scott Newman. I do now, I have. When you meet someone who goes, let's say, to Princeton or Yale Law, do you feel an immediate connection with them? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you know that you had experiences in terms of uh,
1: what was the place like and which choices did you have to make. I mean, in, in those days, uh, one of the choices you had to make, although it wasn't entirely your choice, was uh, they didn't have fraternities at Princeton. And uh, actually, they, don't, they, they didn't have real fraternities at Yale either. Um so, um, they had what they called clubs and the clubs all had, um, uh, homes. They had, uh, uh, there was a street with about 10 of them lined up next to each other. And that's, that's what you, you made that choice as a sophomore. And then you, you went to the club wherever you ended up. And that was a place where you would, uh, you'd actually take your meals. Uh, you wouldn't go to the, you wouldn't go to the, uh, main, uh, cafeteria any longer. You, you'd, you'd take your meals, as they would say, or become a member of a given club. And, um, and then that's also people became, that's where you went to parties. The club would mm-hmm. have its own parties and, uh, um, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, you, you, you know that you're depending on the era, of course. I graduated from Princeton the same, I graduated in June, and the first women were admitted in September. So when I was there, Princeton was an all-male deal, and, and we, of course, complained to each other that we'd just barely missed...
0: Uh... <laughs> you tell your Wabash friends? Yeah, right. <laughs> Got a lot of those, happily. So at one point, Mitch Daniels, graduate of Princeton, was governor of Indiana. Randy Shepard, graduate of Princeton, chief justice of Indiana. Does that give you bragging rights when you go see other ivy leaguers or other college people because you know there's the Wabash depaul mm. Armageddon <laughs>
1: my parents uh, my my parents met at depaul so i I have to lean on that end of that debate um, uh, rather loyalty loyally um, uh i um I think uh say that again because I thought I had an answer and I've now botched it Mitch Daniels was governor. Oh yeah, 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 Princeton. yeah, yeah. No, I the the thing that was most amazing about it was that we had ended up right in the same building. I mean, the the office of the chief justice was literally on the right above the floor where the governor's desk was,
0: and you know we just look at each other and say, "How in the world did this happen?" Is there a uh, picture of the two of you that you sent to the Princeton alumni? Yeah, magazine? no, I
1: no, I should have, but. Uh, 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 but we, um, we, we, it, it did make it easy, It did make, uh, not so much the uh, because of Princeton, but because we'd known each other for so long. Um, I think I knew him back uh, when he first, he worked for, um, Keith Bulin's uh, uh, communications firm. And, and I was working on political campaigns in Evansville. Um, but, um, it, it really was to to have a a lawyer, uh, uh, who was somebody I'd known for a, a quarter of a century almost something like that, um, it just made it it made it easier to talk to each other and to say here's what's really important to me and is there something else I can do to make this happen and is uh, what 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 worries you about what's going on on your floor or mine?
0: You mentioned um, giving the oath of office to Graham Richard. I'm yeah. assuming you did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Did you chuckle? Did you two chuckle at each other before you started? Well, one thing
1: was, uh, uh, as we stood up, it was out at the fairgrounds, and uh, the first one was the, yeah. fir- the first one was, and uh, the the one thing I learned later was that uh, um, his wife had said to him, "Don't look at him while you are doing this," because you, and what she meant was you are you are both gonna break down, um, and that probably was right. Uh, I could Just you know. Old times and old friendships uh, mean a lot. Um, so it's, that was a, it, there's one time, one of my favorite little moments was during a State of the Judiciary Address and the, the uh, which the Chief Justice usually gives the day or maybe two days after the State of the State Address by the governor. And the, and the governor comes. Uh, Bob Orr was the first governor in anybody's memory to come. I called him and said, I'm giving my, I'm given my uh second or my no I'm given my second uh state of the judiciary address will you will will you come and he said, sure i will so he so um uh, uh, and since then governors have always considered that a part of the building block of good relationships so so Mitch Daniels was sitting over here uh maybe five feet away on the podium and i one of the things I was reporting to the legislature was a, uh, a reform that we had just finished uh, called plain English jury instructions, because the jury instructions that we read to jurors are, are are most of them been around a long time. They've been amended now and then, and they're all written by lawyers to make sure we've covered all the legal bases and so on. And um, uh, there was a, there was there were one or two other states that had decided what we're going to do is take these instructions and we're going to go back over them we're not changing any law but we're changing the language so that these um, citizens who come and sit in the jury box can understand what it is we're telling them about law And I said now let me give you let me give you for instance uh, I, this is in the speech and Mitch is sitting over here and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Becky Skillman is sitting on the other side and uh, I said well now here's an example we have a we've been for decades we've been giving this instruction on the difference between, direct evidence and indirect evidence. I said, and what it says is direct evidence is evidence that comes directly from an event that happened and then which can be directly attributed to indirect evidence. I said, nobody knows what that means. Here's what it now says. Direct evidence that a rabbit ran through the snow um, comes from somebody who watched the rabbit run through the snow. Indirect evidence comes from somebody who saw the rabbit's tracks in the snow and of course, people start chuckling, it. Right? And, and Mitch looks over at me and says, "Wait, I don't get it." <laughs>
0: and, I, and, I, and I looked over and said, you, you, "They didn't cover that at Georgetown. Surely, I thought they'd have done that." We've recorded our first podcast with him. I think he says, Chris, that he malpracticed law. I think it's the word he used. Let's let's talk a little bit about politics. What doubt that? What, what did you? When did you first? catch the bug of politics and who were some of your political influences growing up i mean you grew up basically a baby boomer i would think yes and you know the time of of some significant leaders and leadership in the united states put indiana aside for a little bit but who who kind of helped you with your political philosophy and leanings well i I just yesterday or today thought about the first sort of
1: political thing that i i remember um uh, I was invited to spend the night with my uh, with uh, some friends of my parents. My parents had to be away, and so I they threw an election night party the night that um, Dwight D. Eisenhower ran for re-election against Governor Stevenson. And uh, I, I was in the about the third grade. Maybe I'd have to stop and think about that. This was 1956. So I was probably a little older than that. Um, and, um, I was just delighted that I got to stay up. And then they finally told me his, the, the friends of my parents said, it's, you, you're going to school tomorrow. You got to go to bed. What they forgot was that there was a radio in the room. The... And <laughs> so I, w- I had some interest in this from, from the beginning, not, not, I, not, uh, none of my recent family, some of my ancestors had, uh, careers in public service, but, uh, um, I think the person who sort of brought me into the um, into the field was a man named uh, Roger Zion. was the first person I ever did volunteer work and then staff work. and He he ran for Congress from Evansville once in the '64 election as a Republican. Oops, that was not a, yeah that didn't work as, as well as he hoped. But then he so, but it worked well enough that he decided to run again in '66 and he beat an incumbent who'd been there uh, five or six terms. 66 and was a good year for Republicans. was a 54 good 54 was not. Exactly right. Um, so, um, so R- Roger, uh, invited me to become a, uh, he, the, the, the next time he ran in 68, I was his campaign manager during the summer months. And then I had to go back to college. Um, and, and, and uh, we were, uh, our offices, the first time around, were in a what was then the Republican headquarters in downtown Evansville. We were up on the second floor, and on the first floor was the Vandenberg County Republican Central Committee chaired by Bob Orr. Um, so I, I came to know people like that. Uh, and then ultimately uh, got invited to come, the, the Republicans finally won City Hall uh, under the leadership of a man named uh, Russell Lloyd, uh, whose son also later got elected mayor. And um, uh, Russell Lloyd invited me to come and be his assistant. I was working in DC at the time, ironically, in the same place where Pete Buttigieg now works. I literally was in that same office. I didn't have the same chair Pete Buttigieg has, but I was a, my, in my very first uh, paid job as a lawyer. I worked in the U.S. Transportation Department, and uh, I know I know exactly how you get to uh, Secretary Buttigieg's office. Uh, uh, I, I'm sort of hoping maybe bef- uh, someday I'll get a chance to go and uh, shake his hand in his office because I've known him. I knew him
0: when he was. Do you go know, to D.C. a lot? No, not a lot. Well, I imagine there's a lot of folks who can make that. Happen. Yeah, that's probably right. You're listening to the Leaders and Legends podcast. Our guest is former Chief Justice of the Indiana Supreme Court, Randall Shepard. You mentioned Russell Lloyd, and you just mentioned Bob Orr. You know, all of us who work in politics or have worked in politics, we think back to the people who gave you a nudge mm-hmm. or said, "Hey, talk to this guy." For mm-hmm. me, it's people like P. E. McAllister. Yeah, yeah, the greatest.
1: Yeah, no, we mm-hmm. have a lot of people to say thank you to. And uh,
0: Talk about those two men, particularly about how they helped your career. Because, you know, maybe you got out of law school and says, hey, I just want to work in government and maybe be a judge. Or, hey, I want to go do something in the private sector. I mean, these are tough decisions that because when you have a law degree, quite frankly, it just opens so many doors and opportunities. mm -hmm. And what did they help kind of steer you to public service? I I, you had to think that
1: watching Bob Orr. in multiple roles, gave you the idea that that there there was work to be done that would be valuable to the state and the community, and and also uh, uh, interesting to do if you were involved. Um, I can remember uh, working. I think it might have been that same year that I worked for Roger Zion in that same building. Um, Bob Orr was maybe running for the state senate. I think. But in any event, he was county chairman, and they were just starting to build I-64, which was—and uh, they had opened—they actually hadn't opened it yet. But he, 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 made, he arranged a commercial, a television commercial, in which the, the Republican candidates from Vandenberg County with Bob in the center come down the interstate road— talking about the need for better transportation and the need for community development and, and, um, uh, hallelujah. Uh, and he would, he, he would treat people in, in, in ways that were very fitting, you know, his, he, um, he'd help recruit, uh, high school students to go to Yale college. And, uh, he would, um, he'd go talk at schools there's now a Bob Orr library in a school not up far from where he had lived during that period. Uh, so, um, uh, and, and he, would, he would keep in touch. When I came back to town, I would go. He was the, the I think the first time I actually knew who he was, um, he shared, the, uh, there was a, um, when, when Barry Goldwater ran, there was a moderate Republican opponent it's a name you would come you're about Rockefeller? With. No. No, I saw Rockefeller once in Pete Buttigieg's office, but that was <laughs> that was later. 6 uh, degrees
0: from Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. he <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the uh, I don't think Romney ran. Well, Romney was involved yeah. in 64, but may not be here talking about. I think this this gentleman had been um, governor of Pennsylvania or uh, yeah, I know it's just
1: striker, strickler. Yeah, that sounds sounds like might be right. And and he took up to be the he opened an office on Main Street in Evansville in, in honor in, in in promoting this um, Republican candidate for the nomination uh, who is running against Goldwater.
0: I think Goldwater ended up choosing him as his uh, running mate mm-hmm. in 64. Mm-hmm. Our crack research department, yeah. a.k.a. Chris Spangle, is <laughs> on it as we speak. <laughs> Chris, what you got? Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, he did an American Express commercial? Remember, could, you could, nobody knew who the yeah. hell he was. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh,
1: it's amazing how the systems have changed now. Because it used to be when you were doing a Google search, you'd put in individual words, and now you can put in a question like, <laughs> "Like, who ran against Rockefeller? For, who ran against Goldwater for the nomination in 1964?" It's, anyway, so, uh, so, so you you just see Bob Or the human being, the the thinker, a very elegant. Uh, guy um but h- scranton pennsylvania Granton. yeah 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 william scranton he was the head of the he opened an office for william scranton in downtown evansville in 64
0: we did a podcast a couple of years ago about bob Orr, governor mm, mm. and the man and our guests were bob grand mm-hmm. Darlene sherman yeah and the um wallflower otherwise known as mark Lubbers, god love him and one of the things that came through for all of them was just how decent he was as a man they offered him i think come back to yale do a speech and we'll give you your degree because you left and he's like no uh, is that your opinion of him in a yeah, lot of ways absolutely and here's one i'll remember i thought what you were going to say is that i once
1: i, I had the privilege after he left office i i for some reason we gathered uh uh, at 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 a condo i think it was uh off of 86th street uh where they had lived um and uh he he was uh, getting stuff ready it's not like he hired a caterer or anything there were only four or five of us and he he pulls out this uh, um, uh i think it was glass but it might have been silverish um bowl and he's pouring uh, potato chips into it, so he can we can pass the potato. And what I realize is, it's it's an honorary something from Harvard. <laughs> he's, he's, so did you do it he, on purpose? Oh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, so that's that's that was classic, you
0: know. That was just Bob or the the wonderful human being. And uh, there's a, there's a chance when you work in administrations. I worked in the Bowd administration. You go to see your your coworkers. Go on and do amazing things, Ryan Vaughn, Paul Lucas, and Jason Dudich Chris Cotter. I mean, the list goes on and on, yeah. right? Of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, now,
1: uh, uh, Russell Lloyd, of course. Um, uh, I I left Washington to go to work for him, and uh, I had come to know him working upstairs uh, where when Bob Orr was uh, the uh, party chairman, so he He was the sort of the young guy I think he might have even been treasurer of the uh county committee um and uh he, he was just wonderful to be with and and so energetic and viewed the future of of the city of Evansville as something that that could be uh, built uh so there were all sorts of things that that uh, uh I got to do on his behalf or that he and i went uh uh Evansville won a uh an award from the National Trust for Historic Preservation. He decided he wanted to go to the award ceremony which was in DC, so he talked one of his friends into going into uh, who had a plane. Will you fly us to DC? So the the friend and uh R- Mayor Lloyd and I went to DC for this uh rather
0: modest ceremony actually, but it was a whale of a good time. When you go back to Evansville, what do you think? of how it's transformed
1: Evansville's I what I usually say is Evansville has fallen on good times they've had some terrific leadership yes they have they had a series of very good mayors and um, uh, it's the the uh, the city is well well, just to you know the the uh, automobile plant up the road is actually over in uh, Gibson County um And um, they're now making uh, rather fancy cars there, in addition to what they were making. Um, but it, it was started maybe 20 years ago. A, a Subaru? Does that sound right? Um, my friends in Evansville kill me that I couldn't come up with to- Toyota. That's Toyota. Um, they 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 started that maybe 20 years ago, and they've never stopped building. It has the one addition or another has been going on for now almost a generation, uh, but that's uh, and that helps. Part of the reason they could do that is because Mayor Lloyd said if we extend the city's water system up U.S. 41 to the north of the city, even outside the city, sooner or later that's going to be an advantage economically. So he did. He spent he talked the council and the water board into spending some real money and they built uh, they built uh, uh, water all the way into Gibson County. so the last I knew
0: Toyota was still using Evansville water. Hmm. Ohio River water um, you have a an Evansville compatriot in the State House. When did you first meet uh, Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch? Oh well, quite a long time
1: ago we we uh, certainly certainly while I was a trial judge. So it's been, uh, at, at least, um, since it was, it had to be before 1985. So it's been, it's been at least 35 or 40 years I've known her and, uh, and her husband, who's a lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, whom she always, uh, refers to as Downs. His <laughs> uh, full, Larry full Down. name is Larry Downs. Um, yes, we've known each other for a very long time and I'm a, I'm an admirer of hers. I think she's built an excellent record of public service and leadership. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to know her. I think it's, it's, she's, she's doing great things for Indiana.
0: You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast presented by Veteran Strategies, an Indiana-based public relations enterprise. And sponsored by Garmon Construction, Leaders and Legends, LLC, the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and NFP, a national insurance broker with strong local content. Our guest today is former Indiana Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Randall Shepard. Is there a Hoosier mm. leader or legend you particularly admire? Well, um, how could you? How could you beat? Richard Lugar.
1: Um You can't? You can't. He was just, a, a, I, I remember uh, what, it, what used to be called the Indiana Association of Cities and Towns, and I would come to, to their meetings um, sometimes with Mayor Lloyd. Um, I want to, I'm going to give you a little bit of Mayor Lloyd. Here, here's the thing. When Mayor Lloyd left office, not only had he worked on water, but he'd worked on sewer and sewer plants and so on. He was he was particularly proud, and so was I. When he left office, the water that we were putting back into the Ohio after sewage was cleaner than the water we were taking out to use as drinking water. Um, and and that was nineteen. That was in the 1970s. He cared about the environment. Um, and I, but I would go and listen to Dick Luger. <laughs> when he's, I can remember going to hear Dick Luger give a uh, speech um, uh, at a cities and towns uh, meeting and for some reason I was there on my own um, but it was worth the drive, uh, which of course is easier now thanks to Mitch Daniels. Uh, but uh, it, right. was, it was certainly worth the drive to hear Dick Luger uh, talk to mayors and and uh, council members from, all of them, smaller places, a lot of them very small places. But what he had to talk about was, how do we serve our 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 friends and families and citizens better? And it he, he, he was inspiring just to listen to him, much less to know what he was actually accomplishing.
0: You, I'm sure, in your career, and I want to get to your love of the law here next, but have had the occasion to speak to, I'm assuming, thousands upon thousands of college students, young people, young lawyers, et cetera. How do you, or did you in your speech, talk about politics? And the reason I bring that up is because it's been a long time, but I used to talk every once in a while in front of college kids or whatever, go in front of a SPIA class or something like that, journalism class. And I used to tell everyone, I don't care how you vote, get involved. Uh, And one of my selling points was, and I absolutely believe this, you will meet the best people Mm. and you'll care a hell of a lot less about about their party identification the more you know them. Has that been true for you?
1: Yeah, I can remember an experience of going to uh, to a meeting of the Evansville City Council. I think I was still in law school, but I was home for some reason. I came to see Mayor Lloyd and uh, the... uh, uh, and I went went in to watch the city council, which was uh, d- d- uh, I think I think there was a Republican majority, but it was certainly a divided body. <clears throat> and there were you know normal uh, what you would think of as normal or maybe a little above normal pushing and shoving between uh, you know well now what the council person said, what councilman so and so said isn't isn't can't be at all right. So it looked like a political uh, modest, but a political fistfight. Well, it then came time for, uh, uh, recess in between halves of the meeting or something. And you went, uh, down the hall near the elevators and into a smaller room, open to the public, but most people didn't know it was there, was a refreshments room where you'd get, you'd, you'd get, um, chips and you could order, uh, cans of Coke and that sort of stuff. And and all of them, all the Republicans and the Democrats and their staff—not everybody—but they'd all go down to this room to get something to drink while they were waiting for the next. And and you'd see people uh, patting each other on the back, or they'd turn around and say, "Do you have change for a quarter?" And uh, just people smiling at one another, again, you know, uh, we're just we're just working here. And um, I think there's a lot about Indiana that's still like that, even though today what we would say. Is that politics has become meaner than ever? Um, I sometimes, argue, when I talk to uh, s- students or others about that, I, I've recently taken the position that Indiana is a little different. It's not that there isn't some pushing and shoving and occasional punch, but I, when you, when I, to the extent I have a chance to compare it to the national debate, um, uh, it, it's. Um, I can, I can remember, a, in particular, I, I, I won't give you the, the names because that's a little ticklish, but I can remember a, uh, it was a campaign for governor, and one of the candidates ran a, a commercial about the activities of his opponent, and there was just a hint in the commercial, nothing brazen, but there was just a hint in the commercial that maybe that guy had had taken undue uh, benefits. benefits from a contract that he'd been a part of. Maybe he'd uh, scraped a little off. Um, six or seven days later, uh, he'd been talked into this by his staff, I feel sure. But the notion, Indiana was small enough, and there were enough people who knew both candidates, that they knew the person who was being criticized. They start calling up the guy there for and saying, This is wrong. You've got to stop this, and he did. And so there, there was this, you know, still, you know, it was in those days it would have been five million people, but there were, you know, people go to college in different places, and then they transfer and they go to different work for different television stations, and and um, so I think there's still some to that in Indiana, Um, if uh, that the that the the language is uh, more respectful. I'm not, I'm not claiming this is uh, ideal, but I, I do think that politics in Indiana is uh, better than what people sometimes see on the national networks.
0: My son is going to law school. Mm. He starts this fall. Mm. I am convinced his drive to be a lawyer is 99.9% related <clears throat> to the fact he has seen every episode of Law & Order multiple, <laughs> multiple times. What spurred your interest in the law and and subsequently become a judge? Because as we were saying a few minutes ago, you have so many options.
1: Uh, he's chosen the right program. I, I recently got asked in some uh, setting uh, if I if I wanted to know what law was actually like, uh, uh, what, uh, what which, which of the television shows should I watch, and um, uh, I don't watch Law and Order much anymore. I'm now a, more of an NCIS guy. Uh, but uh, I, I, I recommended Law and Order, so he's on the right trail, and I'm uh, not surprised that it worked well. <laughs> did you watch Perry Mason? When oh you sure, were a kid? absolutely. You bet. Um, yeah, Perry Mason. Uh, I'd have to stop and think what were some of the other programs, but I did tend to watch it. But when I when I left high school. Um, My I had three ideas in mind. One was being a lawyer. My mother had recommended that. She said law. She was absolutely right. Uh, Law will um, prepare you for a lot of things, including being a lawyer, but other things other than being a lawyer. That there are plenty of and and you would know plenty of people who are in corporate work or um, education uh, who uh, who who went to law school. It's it's a it's a good she was right about that. And then uh, the second one was journalism. I had been the editor of my school newspaper and I still fascinated by newspapers and, and by uh, modern broadcasting and, and uh, communication uh, (laughs) like podcasts. And, uh, and the third was the foreign service um, because I had, I'd known a few people when, when I was a kid, I'd known some folks who were whose parents were in the foreign service or, and I was interested in international events. Um,
0: and your peace, the peace corps was proposed right about this. Yeah. Time I mean, you yeah, I think by the,
1: that's the Kennedy administration, isn't it? I think, um, <clears throat> uh, I still have that interest and in part of the, part of the way I get some of that is by travel. Um, we, we, we're not consummate travelers, but my wife and I enjoy, uh, going interesting places, uh, um, and and journalism, I still get a chance. I, I, I did a column for the Business Journal, and uh, uh, so I still get a chance to, to do those things from time to time.
0: When you travel to other countries, have you ever visited a courtroom in session? Oh, oh yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, quite a long time ago, I, I went in to watch a, um, um, a court of appeals in London and um, now, the interesting thing about the, the, the fabulous thing simply to see, they've changed it now. Britain now has a Supreme Court. It used to be that the highest court of Great Britain was the House of Lords, and the highest actual court was a committee of the House of Lords. And so you would go in to watch an argue, a case being argued, and um, the only people in the room wearing robes were the lawyers. They weren't literally, they would wear uh, sort of... Um, Capes, small capes mm-hmm. and, and uh, tops, you know, uh, white uh, caps, not the people here in the case because they, they were committee members. So on the other side of the, of the people at the bench, so to speak— uh, didn't sit at a bench. They sat at a series of tables, like they were part of a committee hearing mm-hmm. a request for an increase in sewer rates or something. I mean, just, uh, <laughs> you know. Were they
0: barristers
1: uh, or solicitors yeah, you by would, training? You, I think you would be a barrister. That difference has sort of merged over time. But um, yes, I, I saw. And, and occasionally when I would travel, this was probably after I'd made the lawyer decision, but I'd find myself someplace and I'd I'd look around and say, "Well, where, where, where is the court in this town?" Uh, and are where... the most beautiful buildings are the court. It's, uh, frequently, the court so, frequently so. Frequently uh, so. I remember going to um, looking. I found one in. Uh, we had gone to uh, Nantucket, and uh, just for three or four days, and I discovered that there was a court in Nantucket. It's not a very big place, really. So I decided to go down and watch the court, and. Wouldn't you know, uh, talk about the—here's the combination between law and everyday living. The case I sat in on was a dispute. It was a a preliminary hearing in a divorce case. But the thing that was being disputed on was who had to move out of the house because the property values in Nantucket were so high that the income of uh, the people who were divorcing— it wasn't enough to pay for two places to live. So who has to move out was something you had to go to court over. Mm. Um, and I thought to myself, well, that tells me
0: I'm, you know, I'm not in Des Moines. Uh, <laughs> did did being a judge, was that a goal of yours, a career goal? No. Ever to be justice? Like, boy, I'd really like to do that. No, never. Uh, so when it was offered to you, the just, to be on the Supreme Court and then you became Chief Justice later... Did you go, what, me, huh? How did this happen? Well, I know exactly how it started. Um,
1: uh, uh, A friend of mine named Ann Walker sat me down in the summer of 1980. I had just lost the election for mayor of Evansville the following fall. And um, I was doing some law practice on my own. And said, "Do you have you heard that there's a an opening coming on the Superior Court?" And I said, "Yes." And she said, "Are you going to apply?" And I said, "No." Um, she said, "Yes, you are." <laughs> and she she sat me down on that on a on the steps. So I know exactly where they are. I went by them a couple of weeks ago in Evansville. and uh, Anne Sh- Ann Schmidt, her name was at that moment. Ann Schmidt um, talked me into it. And, uh, so I became a trial judge and I enjoyed that enormously and, and thought about sort of normal career advancement, uh, led me to ultimately to apply for the Supreme Court.
0: Were you, did that help soften the blow of losing in 79? Um,
1: probably I've never actually thought of it that way. Uh, it you was, can still serve, you know. That yeah, sort of thing. maybe, maybe so. Uh, I didn't lose by much. It was a pretty close election. Um, on the day I was sworn in, uh, I think this was on the day I was sworn in as Chief Justice. Um, one of the people who attended was Mike VanDevere, who had de- who had defeated me in the mayor's race, and uh, whoever introduced him. Uh, introduced him as the man who made it all possible. (laughs) (laughs) So he and I, and there's an example. He and I don't see each other every, but every very long time, but we stand and just chat where, you know, where you've been headed and what are you up to? Uh, That's, I'm happy to, I still say there's a lot more of that in Indiana than, than Indiana gives itself credit for.
0: Did you have a particular judge or justice either? like at the micro level, county or state, let's say, or the macro level, of Justice Harlan or mm, someone like that who question. you studied or admired the most?
1: Uh, the the chief judge of the Superior Court when I was there was a gentleman named Terry Deitch, uh who was just a splendid human being and uh, was uh, admired uh very very humble and quiet but you 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 learn things i would actually if i had even after i got on the court i would go um, and if i had a spare hour or two i'd go and watch judge deach just see how what does he how does he run a courtroom how does he rule on
0: motions and that sort of stuff um, one of our previous guests we've had several lawyers on The podcast, but the two that stand out for me are Jim Voyles. Yes. And Judge Sarah Evans. Yes, my goodness. I asked them how you deal, you know, you you go through law school, you're basically kind of in the same community and you butt heads and how do you treat your friends and how do you uh, rule against... Things that you know. I mean, is that just something that you weigh as part? Not not. Let me say this the right way: to accept the positions that put you in a uh, place of authority, knowing that your friends, people you know, are going to come before you. Is that something that worried you ever? You do. You do have to think about it sometimes, um, and
1: uh, you you have to ask yourself: Is this a case where I shouldn't hear the case? I had I had one time where. Um, Two lawyers came to see me wanting to know if I would uh, preside in the divorce case, and they were representing both sides. And they said, our clients have agreed. Um, we we have sought a new judge from the one who was originally assigned, and we have a chance to recruit somebody. That's one of the things that the, the parties can do under the rule if they can come to an agreement is try to get somebody. Would you do it? And I f- the... The difficulty was that they were both people that I had who I had known both of them since I was a teenager. And um uh I I just I didn't see I worried about whether I could be fair, but more than that I worried about whether in the end I was gonna lose one of them as a friend. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you have to do that. You just have to look at somebody and say, I'm sorry, you're, what you're asking is, uh, isn't is the legal solution to this problem. And you just have to so you uh, uh, but I, I declined because I because I knew I'd worry about that um, uh, in ways that uh, that that I probably
0: uh, I shouldn't um, shouldn't do. I asked the great Jim Boyles and he is yeah a spectacular lawyer. And Spectacular Man. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Before and then, it was about the time I was interviewing, and it was Danielle Shockey who was uh, who leads the Girl Scouts. We interviewed yeah. Yeah. Sue Ellen Barker, or Sarah Evans Barker, together. Mm. And then I subsequently had lunch with her a few times. Oh, my. And she's a hoot, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Since I'm not in her courtroom, I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, alternatingly sweet, sour, and always to the point.
1: Well, and I think one thing judges need to do is to be out and about. One of the things I uh, I would say, and people repeat this back to me, uh, who were who were judges, trial judges, when I was uh, when I was chief, somebody came up and said, I don't I actually remember saying this, but it sounds like something I would have agreed with. She said, "You told us to get out from behind the bench and get some reforms made." Uh, because judges are in a position to do that. We don't. That's not people uh, outside the profession wouldn't normally think of it that way. But um, there are plenty. We the judges. We we recruited judges uh, to help us with the plain jury, plain English jury instructions, right? Um, and in fact, we um, we recruited an English teacher as a consultant. We wanted somebody whose whole life was built on communication and uh, and I think that being I, I said the other day that being be, spending your career with lawyers is is a really first rate thing. I said uh, the, uh, the sentence I had was lawyers. Um, I we all know lawyers who lawyers enjoy everything from chat GPT to canoeing. <laughs> I mean they're just uh, they're interesting folks on the average and they and 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 you get to hear interesting, um, interesting um, uh, propositions, interesting stories, and, and uh, learn learn new things and to do projects with them.
0: In 2007, you formed half of a dynamic duo with former Governor Joe Kernan. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And the Kernan yes. Shepherd Commission that was, mm-hmm. I guess, put together by Governor Daniels mm-hmm. as a way to reform government, modernize it, I was the communications director at the Indiana Republican Party at the time, and I had to do several interviews about it. Mm. I thought the work you all did it should have just have been approved by acclamation. <laughs> how how honored were you to be with Joe Kernan, a true Hoosier legend, who you knew obviously? Um, what did you think about the work, and were you disappointed in kind of how it turned out? Um,
1: being with Joe Kernan is just a marvelous experience I I, I said uh, that if you if you were going to be remembered in part for being at the back end of a hyphen how could you beat having Joe Kernan at the front end <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's just just the way it was and um, uh, it was a, a, a wonderful experience and um, I, I attended uh, the unveiling of his bust, uh, in the state house a few weeks ago, your, your friend
0: Kevin Murray strong armed me into making a donation. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> the, uh, you're, you're, uh, at this ceremony, uh, of course, they
1: had the the bust was there, and his um, uh, uh, Maggie and the and the children were uh, all right tied in, and and the the he had mostly sisters, but he had a a younger brother, and the younger brother spoke briefly, and he said he said then and, and the story was that they never showed us this bust until now even the family has not seen it um, he said uh, um, i i know that joe would I, I don't i know what joe would say uh, even though i don't know what the bust looks like he said the younger brother i know what, i don't know what the bust looks but i know what joe will say he'll say couldn't you have put more hair on top? <laughs> uh, so, in, you know, we had a, a, a wonderful circle of, of members on that study commission, and um, uh, I changed my mind about a number of things as we went on and explored things that I thought needed needed further exploration. In terms of outcome, there—I mentioned two. I say two things. One is I'm very encouraged. At how often it seems it still comes up, you know. Within the last two or three sessions, there have been bills introduced to adopt various parts of our report, which means, uh, you know, we're not done yet. Uh, and the other thing is that that more happened than uh, uh, I, mean, I never expected we'd get a hundred percent. And and actually, Mitch Daniels ultimately did a checklist. Which one of these did we do all or part of and which ones did we do, Did we not get in done? And it's actually better than most people think. Um, I found myself, this is something I don't even, I, uh, I found myself on election day once. This is half a dozen years ago. Um, uh, I must have been going in and out of a sandwich place or something, but a, a gentleman who was a firefighter. Saw me coming in and stopped me and said, "Thank you for Kernan Shepherd." Hmm. And I said, "Well, I'm, um, you're welcome. Uh, why is it interested in you?" And he said, "It has it has been a force for change in the or, organization and operation of Marion County firefighting. Uh, so, uh, and uh, we made they made some serious changes about uh, laws on nepotism and um, who you could hire and who you couldn't hire." Uh, mostly who you couldn't hire relatives and um, of a certain closeness and that sort of thing so um, it, uh, i I rate it as uh, no not a hundred percent uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done and and still is a little bit on uh, townships um, but um, I uh, townships uh, in terms of the financing are not a not a huge part of the public budget and um uh, and and uh, from time to time, there've been some changes up and around uh, uh, Lebanon and Zionsville. Some of those governments have shifted how they're organized and joined together in one way or another in a way that people didn't think about mm. uh, 15 years ago. So I'm I, it was a
0: great experience, and uh, um, you got to leave something for the next uh, the next crowd. We have a few more minutes with former. Chief Justice of the Indiana Supreme Court, Randy Shepard. Do you have a favorite law movie, courtroom drama? We talked about law and order, but I always like to ask lawyers and historians, you know, do you have a favorite history movie or a favorite? Well, one that I'll, um, oh dear,
1: Uh, one that I pretty much will always watch when it rolls around on TV is uh, uh, the one about the uh, Scopes trial. Um, inherit the wind. Inherit the wind. Yeah, um, I can. <laughs> given some time, I quote a bunch of that. Uh, oh, uh, what's the great line? Uh, I had a nice. Oh, she says, uh, when when uh, the reporter shows up, uh, there's a one come, woman comes up to him and and says, uh, 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 if you if you need a nice place to stay. Uh, I I can recommend something. And he looks at her and says, Madam, I had a nice place to stay and I left it to come here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> should say that is Spencer Tracy. That's Spencer. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think so.
0: There's so many wonderful the movies wonderful, that deal yeah. with the law, but, the verdict, Witness for the Prosecution. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've watched that a lot of times. 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Did that Witness for the prosecution. help you? I mean, some of these movies are... 50, 60 years old now. Did you see those and go, I want to be a part of that? Because I'm convinced that a lot of folks see things younger, and then when they get older mm-hmm. and have a chance to do exactly what they enjoyed watching while they were younger, that influence stays. I've never thought that it had, but I,
1: uh, you could be right. <laughs> it could be. Uh, I had actually never been in a courtroom until I went to law school, and I came back from from Connecticut on my on my first uh, Christmas vacation, I went down to the courthouse in Evansville and sat and watched lawyers and judges. <laughs> I figure if I'm in this direction, I'd get a close look, and um, and I did. That turned out just fine, but
0: uh, uh, whether that how much that mattered, I I don't know. Were you? I'm going to phrase this because it's meant to be a compliment, hmm. Your Honor. So <laughs> if it doesn't come across as a compliment, all right. Been there, me. been there, done that. Were you satiated with the Indiana Supreme Court? Like this is perfectly fine. I don't want to go to some federal court or in the United States Supreme Court or do anything else. Like this is great. I I don't. I've reached my pinnacle and I'm thrilled. Or was it the direction the other way? Hey, I'd really like to do something else.
1: Well, I always kept my eyes open, um, but I sure was having a good time, and I thought we were we were uh, achieving a lot. Certainly in terms of the decisions themselves, but also in terms of court reform. What can we do to make this larger system? One of the things uh, Chief Justice Rush has been so uh, strong on, and she's absolutely right, are what are now called uh, community courts, problem-solving courts, where um, where there's a specialized docket aimed at people who uh, have displayed a particular problem like drugs, drugs. Um, and and they and they treat them in a way this, and that we also have what are called veterans courts,
0: for people who have a specialized needs. Yeah, huh? how, how much do we love Dave Serto yeah. here <laughs> on the Leaders and Legends podcast, he's a terrific, terrific yeah. as a veteran. Yeah, yeah, I help him, I do his PR for free. Oh, he's good. a wonderful, wonderful well, sure. man.
1: Well, so I, so I, you know, but. Uh, Two things. Um, I was getting old enough so that if I was going to have any other opportunities in my life, I was going to have to retire. And 25 years, uh, I was on the court almost 27. Um, So I decided part of it was, uh, are there other things you can do? And some of those turned out to be absolutely super. And the other thing was that the court too needs change. It needs change in personnel every once in a while to... People with different ideas or different experiences can come to the front, and um, so that's the other thing. I I thought maybe it might be time to uh,
0: uh, add a new player. Without mentioning names, I mean, everyone knows their names, but when you see what happens in D.C. with Mm. the confirmation process, what is your opinion of that when you see it? And do you think it discourages people from maybe the top people from applying for these in critical roles. I think
1: it is something of a discouragement. Um, though I think the many of the best players would be willing to throw themselves into the fire in order to in order to have the chance to make a difference. So it is it's certainly different. You know, the the first person ever to appear in front of a judiciary committee
0: was Sherman Mitten. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, was that, that was that Eisenhower's ca- what, what? No, it's was Truman, was Truman. Truman's cabinet. Yeah, Truman. he got in trouble. I don't remember. Maybe members of his cabinet got in trouble, and oh,
1: of Truman's cabinet. Yes, yeah, sir. yeah. Not not Sherman Minton. Mm-hmm. I I saw his his bust is over in the state house. Right. I saw it just <laughs> just this morning. Um. So, uh, he before that, for most of American history, they never they, they there were no hearings. There was simply a vote. And in fact, I read recently, somebody in the 20s was the first person whose nomination was even referred to a committee. Before that, they simply were on a list of things, a list of um, resolutions to be
0: considered by the Senate. And you either, you voted or you didn't. (laughs) Last question before we get to the five questions. Uh You're a lover of history. Yes, You have written a book. Guilty is charged. (laughs) All of us who... uh, love our history including Mr. Spangle um fascinated by the people and the the movements and uh, you wrote a book about that includes history please tell the leaders and legends podcast audience about it um, the the
1: the um indiana can use all of the uh all of the uh, new looks Uh, At history that we can that we can uh, persuade uh, people to come forward with, and uh, the the um, uh, I was not the sole author, but the uh, the 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 book that you're thinking of, I believe, um, uh, particularly focused on different um, experiences in Indiana history. And I give you for example, it's one of my one of uh, what was what was Indiana like in terms of providing free assistance to people who were charged with a crime and didn't have money to hire a lawyer? What's Indiana's history on that? And the answer is, it's awfully good. Uh, free Miranda? Absolutely, long, way before uh, way before the federal rules. Miranda, rose. 66? Yeah, but Miranda's the advisement uh, mm-hmm. case. Um, but Indiana adopted... Indiana, the Indiana Supreme Court and Indiana government started... Pointing public defenders in, I think, eighteen fifty-seven, and uh, another another field where it's valuable to spend some time is uh, Indiana's history on slavery. You know, in 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 Ohio and Illinois, if you had a if you had a slave, uh, uh, and uh, it was illegal to have a slave after becoming a state. Um, the state courts in those places and the federal courts, for that matter, uh, took the position that th- that didn't mean you lost ownership. It just meant that eventually you had that the slave was going to work his or her way out of slavery. And Indiana hadn't did none of that. And In you know, year two of statehood and year three, uh, they, they said, it, it says here there shall be no slavery, and that's what it means. And, um, and then of course the, uh, uh, the slave owners started using, um, indentured servitude and the, like 18 months later, the Indiana Supreme court said, what part of no don't you get? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think those stories are valuable to tell people, um, particularly young people about, uh, the, what, what difference you can make in a life? What difference did it make that, you know, that we, Indiana did... Did a, took a completely different look on this than than places we consider perfectly respectable Ohio and Illinois um, and uh, uh, even the Continental Congress gets some uh, some credit because I I read a story just the other day pointing out that 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 the Continental Congress created the Northwest Territory right and one of the things it put in the Northwest Ordinance was no slavery and um, even though some of the people in the Continental Congress were slave owners, but they aspired to build a better society. And as they were getting ready to do that and, and uh, create Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, and so on, uh, they put that in the Northwest Ordinance. And that's sort of the things, there are reasons, there are plenty of things
0: in Indiana that we can do better, but there are a
1: lot of things we've done pretty well.
0: We have reached the point on the Leaders and Legends podcast where we ask the same five questions of all of our guests. You're going to tell me who gave the best answers so I could go pat him on the back? <laughs> <laughs> you had some terrific answers, that's bet. for sure. Yeah, uh, One of my favorite coincidences is the fact that, and you'll get this question in a second, I asked Terry Curry, who's a wonderful man, yeah. what his first concert was. And he said, Love and Spoonful in the association in Clues Hall. About two months later, I asked Mitch Daniels, what was your first concert? He said, "Love and Spoonful and the Association at oh, Blues Hall." Well, I am going to have a tough one with that. So All we'll right. start easy. Yeah. What was your first job? Uh,
1: other than delivering newspapers as a newspaper boy, the first thing, the first place where I was actually on a payroll was McDonald's hamburgers. I, I earned seventy-five cents an hour in uh, nineteen seventy, uh, rather nineteen, uh, probably nineteen sixty. I started out as a milkshake man, but I, I later graduated to French fries.
0: And the milkshake machine was actually working because it does, pretty much doesn't ever now. Yeah. <laughs> Number two. Yeah. What was your first concert?
1: This this won't sound nearly as exciting as some of the examples you've just given, but I, I think the, the first concerts I really remember were the Evansville Philharmonic in the Veterans Coliseum, and that would have been about 1961 or 2. Did you grew up in a time where the music was the best of the best. Oh, I know. Did you see that about a week ago I saw a flash in the elevator uh, uh, coming up and down where they put little newsy mm-hmm. points, and it said, uh, uh, Today in 1957, Paul McCartney uh, went to a, a garden uh, party And he met somebody he'd never met before named John Lennon. And uh, there you go,
0: off and running. (laughs) Number three, if you could suggest any book for someone to read, which book would you recommend?
1: If you were interested in law, um, there's a new book called 70 Times 7. It is about one of the most famous Indiana cases involving the death penalty for a young girl named Paula Cooper.
0: Oh, yeah. There was a big Indianapolis Star series of articles Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. And uh, it was an international
1: uh, uh, topic of uh, news coverage. And in fact, uh, the Pope wrote to Governor Orr and asked him to commute her sentence. Um, And the the governor responded that he, he... didn't want to rule anything out, but he would wait until the courts were done with their work. While that happened, while that was going on, the Indiana legislature amended the death penalty statute so that you had to have been at least 16 when you committed murder in order to be eligible for the death penalty. Paula Cooper had been 15. They didn't want to disturb any existing uh, cases. Anyway, so it was quite a... And you were involved in that case? I, I was on the Supreme Court that uh, converted it from the death penalty to maximum number of years under the murder statute. And um, a new book has been written about that whole case, including about Paula Cooper's family and um, the Pelkey family, that's the, Ruth Pelkey was the one that, that Paula Cooper and her friends killed. And it's, uh, it's an interesting um, read in terms of uh, um, how does society work and how do families work.
0: Next question. If you This is going to be tough. You, you we've been doing pretty well so far. Well, I like uh, asking lawyers and doing yeah, those tough that's, questions. That's, yeah. If you could witness any event in history, be there in person as it happens, which event would you choose? Gettysburg. Which day? Day three. So Pickett's charge? Yeah. I heard
1: recently, I read recently that, uh, 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 that Pickett ultimately went into the insurance business. I don't think I'd ever known that. I think I got that right and that people would occasionally ask him uh why did pickett's charge fail and his stock answer was i think the yankees had something to do with it
0: <laughs> i just finished a book on general long street oh yeah and the author is coming on the podcast ah outstanding last question Ugh. if you could i'm surprised you didn't say scopes monkey trial but well, well that, that was that would like, be yeah, yeah that'd be worthwhile Last question. If you could have dinner with anyone living today, living today, two hours off the record just to chat, whom would you choose? Wow.
1: Gosh. Um, uh, Well, I hope uh, not too many of your interviewees have uh, uh, dawdled as long as I am here. Um,
0: They almost all do. They all, have, um, this is where I could say, you know, there's a question pending. There's a <laughs> chief justice <center. laughs> Right. Right. Give me a, give him a break. Um, Dan Coats, a former podcast guest. Yes. Who is actually <laughs> going to come on again. Is he? Well, and the absolute pinnacle of a public servant and a person there's no nicer more humble man walking the planet than dan coates you know give him my best and tell him i put him on the list <laughs> uh, you have been listening to leaders and legends a podcast presented by veteran strategies an indiana-based public relations enterprise and sponsored by Garmond construction leaders and legends llc the Grand Hall and Conference Center at Historic Union Station, the McGinley's Golden Ace Inn, and NFP, a national insurance broker with strong local content. As always, all our podcast interviews are dedicated to the legacy and generosity of P.E. McAllister. Our guest today has been former Indiana Supreme Court Chief Justice Randall Shepard. You've been I cannot tell you how many of your friends have said you've got to talk to oh Randy. My, no. Thank you so much. You were exactly as advertised, oh my. and I can't thank you enough for your time. My privilege. Um, I'm so grateful you're doing what you're doing. Not not just with me,
1: but with so many other um, so many other people who are be who are interesting to to, to talk with. Thank you.